Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We've Got Mail! We're back. My name is William Bibiani. I am a critic for The Rap and Consequence. Everybody calls me Bibbs. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. I write for Slash Film. That's yeah. it. I write for Slash Film. And that's great. And uh, here <laughs> or, we've got write, mail. Write quite a lot for Slash Film. Write a ton. Please read his stuff at Slash Mail. It's, uh, it's Slash Mail. Slash, slash Mail. mail. <laughs> at Slash Film. It's really, really good. That's, that's the Postal Service website. <laughs> slash Mail. Um, anyway, this is We've Got Mail. This is our podcast where we uh, answer your emails and your physical letters. You can send us questions, comments, critiques. Anything you really want, you just want us to talk about some random stuff, whatever, we are here for you. This is the show where you control the conversation here at the Critically Acclaimed Network. If you would like to write in, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. <laughs> Thank you, David Niven. Well, I wanted to really enunciate. All right. And Whitney, what is our P.O. box? Uh, you can send us an actual physical letter. We like those. Send it to uh, the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. And um, whenever we have something in the mailbox, we start with it, and we do have a thing. And this has actually been in our mailbox yeah. for a little bit. Sorry this episode is so late. Uh, but uh, let's yeah. open up. It's a package. It's, it's a package. You can hear me, like, crinkling and yeah. a little bit of this. Is the actual, okay. there's a letter inside. It's clanking things on the table. Okay. Right. I, I always like to snap the letter next to the mic, so you yeah. know it's like tactile. So you know it's real. Um, this one comes from Alan. Hi, Alan. Alan. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. Uh, that's my nickname on the podcast, Rock, yeah. Rockmeister McCool. But Whitney always and, says he has no nickname, but he's Rockmeister McCool. Uh, you can call me Rockmeister yeah. McCool, if, if you wish. Mm. Uh, here's a little companion piece to the 1966 Batman show. There's a video in here as well. Ooh. If you loved the 1966 Batman which we do, mm. uh, you'll probably not like the 1967 Captain Nice. <gasps> Imitation is the sincerest form of television. I saw this show as a kid, and at that age, it was kind of exciting to see a superhero actually fly, even just briefly and occasionally. The only flying George, Reeve, George, Reeve, uh, George Reeves ever did was lying on a glass table and being superimposed against the sky. So here it is. This show only lasted one season. Not in, not that that's in any way relevant. This is Alan <laughs> signing off. And so what we have in here is... God, hold on, I gotta, now you're just snapping the bubble yeah, wrap. There's bubble, yeah, it's a bubble mailer. Yeah. Captain Ooh. Nice, the complete series. Nice, literally. Uh, it's a guy who looks a lot like my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, like a nerdy engineer type with glasses. He looks like Arnold and, Stang. And, yeah, and then yeah. On, on the bottom he's like bending a big copper bar. Yeah, I, I yeah. Oh, oh sorry. And, and there's discs inside. Uh, oh, that, that makes sense. Let me put pop them back on the spindles. Please you do. You get to hear every bit of this. <laughs> it's really fun. Uh, so here's here's the uh, the, what's written on the, the liner back. notes on the back. Yeah. Uh, riding the tide of camp, uh, the camp superhero craze of the 1960s. The show's premise involved police chemist Carter Nash, played by William Daniels, a mild-mannered mama's boy who discovers a secret formula that, when taken, transformed him into an explosive burst of in an in an explosive burst of smoke into Captain Nice. His superhero superhero powers included superhuman strength, invulnerability, and the ability to fly, but he was nervous about doing the latter, and he was afraid of heights, and his natural clumsiness was increased exponentially whenever he drank his super serum. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, Captain Nice is an American co TV comedy series that ran from 9th January 1967 to 28th August 1967, Monday nights at 8.30 on NBC. Uh, and this is you know, clearly a very loving, uh, like, Comic-Con bootleg DVD uh, mm. that, uh, that somebody found for us. Uh, so thank bless you. them. Yeah. Bless them. Yeah. Uh, I've actually had Captain Nice on our short list for a while. We okay. don't have it. So this oh, is awesome. Now we have it. Yeah, Very, very great. grateful for it. Uh, but yeah, I've been wanting to get to this for a minute because um, it's look at this fucking costume. <laughs> it just literally it's, it's just a, reads Captain Nice. It's a white long sleeve shirt and yeah. a blue cape. And it just says Captain Nice on it. Um, <laughs> you see, well, thank you, thank you for thank you for this. Nice. Yeah. You see, uh, uh, the thing about the Batman show is that they were camp, but they also cared. And a lot of mm. the superhero shows that didn't quite kick off were a little. Um, I mean, I don't know how true this is of Captain Nice, but in my experience, uh, a lot of them were a little like sort of condescending to the concept of superheroes. Mm. And I think that it didn't always rub superhero fans the right way. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I think the assumption about uh, Batman. The 1966 TV series, yeah, was that uh, a lot of people 
even people who have seen it, yeah, thought that it was trying to send up the very notion of superheroes. Yeah, and it was kind of a little, but more than anything, it was just a deadpan comedy show with superheroes in it, using yes. sort of like the larger than life superhero costumes and personalities as an excuse yeah. for uh, comedy bits. Yeah. And no small amount of social commentary mm. about all the squares out there yeah, yeah. trying to uh, uh, adhere, adhere, adhere to um, very old-fashioned conservative views mm. of morality that make them out of touch. Batman is kind of like... He, he's a square. He, he, he's, he's your dad, basically, yeah, he, uh, in a lot of ways. It, it's hilarious that whenever they're, they're drinking, they're always drinking glasses of milk. It's like yeah. so wholesome. Yeah, uh, and, they're, and they're, so, they're making fun of that a little bit. The idea mm. that you could put on a bat costume and declare yourself someone's moral superior mm. is a little funny if you think yeah, about so it, and they weren't afraid to admit that. I, I feel like that... And, and it's subtle because it's not really in your face about it. It's yeah. just the the style is what communicates that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Adam West and Burt Ward's performances communicate that, and and they're I think they're brilliant in that. I think they're both you know brilliant comedians. Uh, and some people saw like people who were trying to imitate the success of Batman. Yeah. Saw that and tried and just saw like superhero comedy. Yeah. So we'll do a superhero comedy, but well, with a completely different mood or a completely different tone, mm-hmm. or they're setting up a different sort of thing. And they don't appreciate that there is some nuance to that. Yeah. Like if if Captain Knight, I haven't seen Captain Nice. Yeah. Uh, but it sounds like he's like clumsy and bumbling. If there are Captain, a cu- yeah, there are a couple of like Mr. Terrific was around the same time. No relation to the DC character of memory service. Right. If Captain yeah. Nice, like with a name like Captain Nice, mm-hmm. was actually just an asshole that's like that would be the joke that would that's be the running joke. gag of the yeah. show like he's not yeah. nice at all yeah not a sophisticated joke but at least you have a, a premise to go with. well that's something you learn over and over again as you either look through hollywood history or you live through it anytime something is successful especially if it's unexpectedly successful uh-huh. just all of a sudden a thing in a genre that nobody thought was a money maker makes a lot of money uh people will leap to, to capitalize to, on that. Yeah, to imitate it as soon as they yeah, can. Yeah, but what they'll inevitably do most of the time, there's usually a couple of good imitators. Uh, not every ripoff is bad. Mm. You can rip something off and do it very well. Oh, there's there's all kinds yeah. of wonderful now. What, what if yeah. Star Wars is not a Flash Gordon ripoff? Come on. Um, it's easy to rip off the most superficial elements, and that's as far as most people go. Yeah. So superhero comedy, we can do that. But actually figuring out what makes the 1960s Batman series really work, Mm. like really work, there's a lot more to it than that. A lot of it is the ensemble, the guest stars, the the weird sexuality to it, (laughs) which is undeniable. Like Frank Gorshin, Joker, they're, they're all these like... Especially Burgess Meredith. Especially Burgess Meredith. There's this weird... Like, there's a weird horniness to that show. Like <laughs> all of them have hot girlfriends, mm-hmm. and they you know that they're just having a lot of sex, aren't they? Except for Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's there's a lot to that. There's a reason why cool people and square people liked Batman. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, but thank uh, you for this. That's a really really yeah, cool I, thing to send us. That means a lot to us. Thank um, you. It, it might not be very good. Uh, well, but that's not that's, its that's fault, not is the it? Point. That's not that's the point not, here, is that's it? That, uh, no, yeah. the point is we cover on Cancel Too Soon shows that may or may not have been very good, and sometimes mm-hmm. we are pleasantly surprised. Uh, you know, as critics, we have to keep our minds open. Yep. Uh, we can whine all we want mm-hmm. about the state of cinema and uh, how awful something looks as it mm-hmm. comes up, but when uh, when the film begins, mm-hmm. we have to let the film tell us. Yeah. And right uh, now, no, the no, only thing that matters is whether the film is mm, good, yeah, uh, or the show, or whatever. It, it's yeah. it's really disappointing when it meets your low expectations. Yeah, well, that's uh, why I try to that's why I try to eschew mm, anticipation. I yeah, think anticipation uh, is the antithesis of good criticism. Yeah, because you're forcing a movie to compete with whatever movie you've invented in your head. Exactly. Whether or not you've been like led there through marketing or just listening to Which, podcasts yeah. where people are excited about stuff that hasn't come out yet is relevant. You're asking a movie to compete with a fantasy of that movie, and that's not fair. So whenever possible, it's impossible to do it all the time, but whenever possible, I try to avoid that, and just, maybe I'll see a trailer, and if I like the trailer or don't, that's the trailer that I like. Yeah, it's... It has nothing to do with the movie, really. I'll see the movie, and the movie will tell me what it is. Oftentimes, the trailer lies. The the trailer... 
I, I love going to movie theaters and I love sort of the, the trailer uh, reel, like yeah. the process of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, par- becoming attractions are a big part of like the cinema experience for me growing same. up. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I also understand that these are commercials that yeah. and commercials are lies. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's all they are. They're, tra- they're, they're tra- comforting they're s- lies. They're going to try to sell you the best version of the movie yeah. or at the very least, the version they think you're willing to pay for. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Often. Uh, and. You've you've might have heard some uh, critics say this that uh, there's a film that has like maybe an odd premise mm. or a difficult story to communicate to an audience through an advertisement. Yeah. So uh, they advertise a different kind of movie. They kind okay. of make it look like like this. Is, no, yeah. it's actually a thriller or it's actually yeah. a comedy. When really it's a lot more uh, complicated than that. Yeah. They'll try to simplify it because that's easier to sell. Yeah. 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 So uh, so you'll hear critics saying yeah, that they advertise the wrong kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, previews. Whatever. Uh, Again, they're, 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 they're their there. own thing. There's an art to making a preview, mm. and when I see a good preview, I will say that is a good looking preview. Yeah. Maybe the movie is good. Maybe it's not. But the preview's good, mm. and that at the very least is fun, and mm. that makes me like sort of like, oh, maybe the maybe the movie's good. I don't know, but I won't find out until I see the movie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, lo- lo- long ago I started saying that the the best time to get excited for a movie is after you see it. I love that it's line, like, by uh, the way, oh, because no, that's yeah. true. I think you know it's easy to get excited for a movie ahead of time because because you haven't seen it yet. Well, it's, no, because you like the filmmaker, you like the actor, the premise sounds fun, or it's in a franchise you like. These are perfectly understandable reasons why people could get worked up about mm-hmm. an upcoming movie, but really. You don't know how it's going to turn out, and if you assume you're going to like it, you're going to want to warp whatever yeah, well, you see to fit that. I have, or you're going to react really meanly if it mm, doesn't fit exactly what yeah. you want. And that's two things that happen very, very often, where I was really worked up over this, and it wasn't what I thought it would be, so and now, now I'm mad whether or not the thing I got was good. Yeah, well, well what yeah. did you get at the end yeah. of the day? Uh, it wasn't what you expected. I, ex- I understand yeah. that part. And it's very easy but, uh, to be worked up into a, 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 a fit of enthusiasm, see a movie, and the movie's just kind of okay or even bad, but because you were really ready to enjoy it, you're only looking at the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I'm, I'm old enough to remember The Phantom Menace. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that's a cycle that's been repeating itself ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't think of a movie that was more anticipated than The Phantom Menace. I mean, people were yeah. camp- camping out on sidewalks. Like even the big Avengers movie. It was a new Star Wars. We yeah. thought Star Wars was over. Yeah. We did. There okay. was there were books and comics, but we thought there weren't going to be any more movies you know, ever. George Lucas didn't seem interested. So like that they, they there was did a the, new one. Remixes the, in the late yeah. '90s, and then they, you know, leading up into yeah. The Phantom Menace in '99. Yeah, there was an uh, exciting yeah. possibility. Maybe this is going to uh, be amazing again. It, it it's a dry, dull movie. Just <laughs> period. That's that that's that's my critical I, uh, view of that movie. I don't know if it's. I don't know if I'd say it's dull. I think it's actually. It's not exciting to watch. Those no. are boring characters. This, the action set pieces are kind of unclear. I, and I will say shiny. this. I think a lot of it is very sprightly. I think it really dashes from one thing to another for a while, and I, I appreciate. So. I appreciate because we talked about how. Um, and we should move on to the well, yeah, but like, real, say, we'll I'll, the I'll make my point real, real fast. We've, we've talked about on this show and on episode zero about how Star Wars was, we just said it was directly influenced by Flash Gordon. Uh, Flash Gordon was originally serialized. They would release it in like 10 minute chunks before other feature length films. And as a result, those 10 minutes were really eventful. And then the next week you'd come to the theater or however long it was. And then there would be another really eventful 10 minutes, but the everything would change. The location would change. The characters would change. We went from underwater to a floating kingdom in the sky. And I feel like, especially like the first third or half of The Phantom Menace is really structured that way. It's like, okay, here we are. We're going to do diplomatic stuff. Oh no, we're fighting robots. Okay, we're downstairs. And oh no, we met a fish person and go undersea. And then we're almost killed by a monster. And now we're up here. And oh shit, there's a robot uprising. Ah! It just really moves like a freight train, and I yeah. kind of appreciate that, <laughs> okay. even though the characters are not very good, and the plot isn't very good, and the themes aren't very well thought out, and there's a lot I don't like about that movie, but I can appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the Flash Gordon-ness of it. Right. Anyway, we should move on. Yeah, okay. But thank you again. We're totally going to get to that. All right. Um, here is a letter. Uh, this is an e- We're on to emails now. Yeah. So um, this is a letter from Pax. Hello, Pax. Hello. Um, greetings, Bibbs and R.M. McCool. That's also me. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed your recent review of 3,000 Years of Longing. Ah, so this goes back to September. It was, it was um, a few weeks ago, yeah. And uh, a subsequent reflection on movies about storytelling. Hmm. Bibbs lamented that he can't watch Tarsim Singh's The Fall because it is not streaming and is out of print. Uh, 
as someone who works at a library, <laughs> I would like to take a moment to make a PSA about the wonders of public libraries and interlibrary loan for hard-to-find movies. Uh, when I can't find something on streaming, I frequently can on a DVD through my lo- local public library system. Failing that, I can request it through interlibrary loan. While people often only think of using interlibrary loan services for books, lots of libraries will happily lend DVDs this way as well. Some libraries may have format limitations uh, or fees for ILL service, but it's definitely worth investigating and never hurts to ask. It's free at my library and has saved me so much money in rental, streaming service fees, and DVD purchases. Prior to the recent Criterion release, this was how I uh, sourced most of the Showa-era Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah, there you go. uh, To watch in order. And again, if you live in an urban area with a larger library system, your local branch may already own the films that you're looking for. Uh, That said, you must watch The Fall. Uh, (laughs) And I looked it up on the WorldCat catalog and saw that it's currently available in hundreds of libraries across the country. Love all your shows and so enriched by your thoughtful reviews. All the best. Packs. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for that. Uh, I have, I have, and first off, I'm going to make a quick update. Mm. I've seen the fall now. Oh, you caught up. All right, I caught up. In fact, another listener. I don't know if they want me to to, to say who, uh, but you know who you are. You're absolutely awesome. You found out I hadn't seen the fall, and you you happen to live close enough by, and you let me borrow the fall. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad I finally saw the fall. I wish I was ena- as enamored of it as some people are. Okay. But I appreciate it. I, I, I love it. I think it's, it's great. Gorgeously yeah. photographed. I don't really think it comes to the best conclusion about its characters and its themes. I think mm. um, um, I, I could do a whole thing, but I'm not going to I'm not going to um, mm. go into the great length. Um, but I think it's so stunningly realized that I'm willing to forgive some elements of the narrative I don't think work. Okay. Uh, so it's excellent. I saw it before we did our iron list about the best movies that start with the letter F. Mm. And I was like, I need to try to see this because everyone keeps talking about it. And I was able to, and it didn't make the list, but uh, it's still good. And I'm glad that it is out there in libraries, which, thank you for pointing this out, we need to talk about this constantly. Yeah. I, I, libraries uh, are great. I'm actually a, a big champion of libraries. Yeah. I, I, I love going there. I love taking my son there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have to stop myself from checking out 50 books yeah. you know, when, I'm, when I'm there. There's not I, a I lot of limitations, all, yeah. really. You can take out a ton of movies, too, I, if you want. I know so, uh, it's different per library, but yeah. yeah, they usually let you take out a great deal of I, media. I, I'm trying to remember, um, like, I the last time I went to a library, I had to, like, do movie research at a library, and I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't gone in a while and I was like, how many am I allowed to take out? And I was like, well, there is a limit. And I don't remember the exact number, but I was like, oh, what is it? It's like 10. And I'm like, uh, that's incredibly generous of you, actually. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, I, no, <laughs> Thank I, you. And when it comes to kids' books, yeah. they're... Uh, I don't think there is a limit. And yeah, I remember, a, yeah, uh, really I remember going there when, when my son was littler, it was like maybe three. I yeah. t- took him into the kids section and there was a mom there and she also had like a toddler mm-hmm. and uh, the toddler was running around just sort of looking at books and playing with the toys there. And she had a stroller and it was just stacked completely mm-hmm. full of books. Like she was yeah. going to get 70 books for the child. It's like, Either you don't have any books at home, or wow, that's ambitious. Yeah. And what, either reason, go for it. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, they, I'm just happy you're reading. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. that's great. Mm. I'm happy you're reading. I'm happy you're using your library as a local resource. And yeah, they have a ton of movies and television shows and documentaries. And mm. if you have the opportunity to go to a local library, I know not everyone has one as conveniently located as others. Yeah, we, we live in LA, so they're, they're We've got all quite over a few. place here. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but even, and even if they don't have what you're looking for, if you have a local library, they can usually order it and bring it to you. Um, please use that resource. It's one of the most incredible resources we have as a society. And if you think about it, I forget who brought this up. If you think about it, Imagine pitching a library for the first time today. (laughs) They would look at you like you're a madman. You're saying that we should collect all these books and all these movies. We should buy them up as a government. And we should let people have them for free. (laughs) All you need is a card and a way to contact you in case you don't bring it back. That's it. They've even given up on, on late fees in L.A. Uh, I don't know how most, true that is everywhere, but yeah, there's no more late fees. Yeah, there's the 
and it was always cheap. I, yeah, it was never. Even, it was always like I, pennies on the dollar. Even if basically. like yeah, I dropped one in my car. It was under the car seat for like a month, and I just forgot about It'd it. It's like I bring bucks. it back. It's like uh, you owe us three dollars. It's like yeah. uh, that's not a, a big problem. Yeah, it's just it's just it's like a di- it's from, like a dime a day or it's something. The, it's it was, to prevent you from doing it all willy nilly. It's yeah, basically like, okay. I don't want to do pay pay you money, so like I will. But like yeah. It's incredible. It's a wonderful resource. There's all of the world's education at your fingertips. Stuff you can't find online. Like Mm. The Fall. Perfect (laughs) example right there. There there was... um, The BBC put out... At one point in the 1980s. Yeah, you've talked about they, this a lot. Because I love it! I know, I'm just saying you talk about it a lot. They, they, put, they did uh, all, the entire uh, works of Shakespeare. They staged them for the BBC on television. Yeah. And the only way you could get those videos was at libraries. Yeah. Guess what I did a lot of? I'll bet. It, I, I watched every single one of those things, because yeah. I went to the library. They had them on, on VHS. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you knew you were getting a good one when it came on three VHSs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, was, you get like King Lear. It's like... Yeah. You know, and they did... For the most part, they tried to do like complete texts. They were mm-hmm. edited here and there. Some of those suck, by the way. Sure. <laughs> Some of those BBC productions yeah. are really, really bad. Uh, <clears throat> imagine a Midsummer Night's Dream if the fairies were like vampires, like they that's were kind of like, like malevolent and destructive. But and you know, I get, that's a kind of a fun interpretation. I don't know if it's that. Not, I don't not the way they did it. it; was just dreary. Oh, that's uh, a shame. Yeah. Okay, it could be fun. I can imagine that working. Yeah, there, there's a scene near the end where um, one of the lovers is like laying in the woods, and Puck was going to like cast uh-huh. a magic spell, but the woods is like this like nighttime mud hole, and this guy's like covered in filth. And Puck, like mm-hmm. in that John Henry Fusely painting, the nightmare. Oh, he's like is, sitting is, on is his like chest, crouching on his chest, yeah. like this little monster. It's like, what are you trying to what? Well, like, I, mean, I love it, that painting. But, it's you know, a very it's, flighty play. Yeah, it's, it's a lightweight I mean, story about falling in love and the fairy queen falls in love and he's got yeah. a donkey head. That's hilarious. If, if the purpose of that production was to, like, get these things down for posterity, then you would think you wouldn't want to be too dramatic in your reimagining. You'd think you kind of just want to get the classical example out there. I love reimaginings of Shakespeare, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it feels like it's kind of the antithesis of what yeah, we're going I'm, for. I'm, I'm, but I, I'm a, a library champion. Please. Uh, yeah. Your library card is a superpower, just like yep. they said in all the old TV specials. Yeah. Uh, all of that corny stuff you'd see about how great it is to go to the it's library. I believe that stuff. No, it's great. Uh, so yeah, please go to libraries yeah. more often. Check out movies from your library more often. And I'm going to uh, recommend this to everybody. I know a lot of the people People listen to our podcast probably don't need to hear this, but some people do. And mm. uh, and again, it's a matter of how much you choose to invest in your movie and TV watching. Uh, but I know a lot of younger people now don't even have a DVD player anymore. They yeah, just they've yeah. co- committed wholeheartedly to digital streaming or watching things on their computer. Uh, and I get it, but I highly recommend you pick one up. You can get a Blu-ray player for well under. Sometimes I think you can get them like fifty bucks now. You can go to you can get them yeah. at drugstores. You can get them at Goodwill's. Yeah. They're they're plentiful. Get yourself yeah. a Blu-ray player while you while you can get like a new and good one, uh, and hook it up to something. Hook it up. Your, you can get the, uh, uh, a peripheral for your laptop. Or you can put hook it up to your TV, uh, and use your local library as a resource, even if you don't have a video store anymore, because there are things that are available on DVD. And other forms of physical media, but let's be honest, the only ones you can get readily right now are DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, there are things that are available in that format that are not available on streaming, and then they can, then and that can get easily taken away. Yeah, I'm sure we've all had an experience. Library's going to take care of that thing. I'm sure we've all had an experience where there's a movie we're interested in, we're looking for it, and when we find out, oh, it's not on any of the streaming services I have, and then you do a little bit more searching, it's not on any streaming service right now. Yeah. Sometimes big movies, you can get them. At a library. If they don't currently have it at your library, they can get it. Mm -hmm. So the way to do that is have something you can play DVDs and Blu-rays on, get a library card. You've got way more options Mm -hmm. as a movie lover. And it doesn't cost, the library card doesn't cost a damn thing. The Blu-ray player is pretty inexpensive and it's worth it. And it's worth the the investment. So I highly recommend if you don't currently own one, get one. Now is a good time, and you can get time if you can. And again, you can acquire a library, movie DVDs used, especially cheaper than ever for the most part, unless they're really oh, yeah, out of print. Yeah. You can develop a huge library of everything that the studios cannot take away from you. If you have the player yeah. and it still works, yeah. 
and you have the 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 actual like mm-hmm. disc, then it's going to last a lot longer than the the whims of whatever the streaming service. And is if you're one of the people who has a very sizable DVD library and you're thinking about getting rid of stuff and you realize that you can't sell most of them for much, please consider donating them to your local library. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, that's what I do. Yeah. I actually do uh, those little like uh, pri- like public book exchanges. Yeah, there's like little cabinets in certain neighborhoods. Oh, the the, the uh, little libraries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's, I, like, it's like I, little I post make, office. I make good use of those. House. Yeah. I, and I, I, I give and I take. It's like yeah. when we have books we want to get rid of, we put them in there. And it's like, oh, look, I don't have a copy of Pierre Boulle's Planet of the Apes. I'll take that with me. Exactly. Yeah. It's very cool. All right, we should move on. What do we got yeah. next? Um, uh, this is a letter from Rick. Uh, Hi, Rick. Hello, Rick. Uh, hey, Bibbs and Whitney. Hey. Hi. Uh, I hope this finds you well. Well, we've been hiding out. But it found <laughs> us anyway. Uh, I, I love the, uh, I hope this email finds you well jokes. Uh, anyway. Uh, a couple of months back, my Twitter feed blew up about the Indian film RRR. Uh, have you seen it yet? No, I, I there was. Um, it's going to be up for Best Picture at the Academy the, Awards. I, it is. There is a Mark there is Lord. a huge movement to try to get this thing Oscar contention. I will see it before mm. award season is over. I have not had it's a three hour movie. It's hard to like schedule that sometimes, mm. but I will see the damn thing. Right. I promise you, I'm very interested in it. I will not miss it. I just haven't had a chance yet. Um, I knew nothing about it, but trusted a couple of comments and added it to my Netflix watch list. I eventually started it with my wife, who was unimpressed. Hmm. I kept going, and my daughter walked through during the tiger hunt. It caught her interest, so I offered to restart it. We decided to make it our dinner watch. Yes, we eat in the living room off tray tables while we watch TV. Don't judge. It's common practice. We we Uh, do the same thing. (laughs) uh, The missus gave it another try, and all three of us enjoyed it thoroughly. Based on that, I watched... uh, Brahmastra Part 1 mm. I think it's the same director yeah. uh, in a theater and I enjoyed that and uh, decided to watch The Nest now I'm watching ba- uh, Babali films I don't know what that I don't know right. that word um, uh, the first star the first stars a light and fluffy and then totally shifts into serious action and ends with a battle that rivals Helm's Deep I'm hooked uh, what is Helm's Deep Oh, it's uh, it's the it's the big action climax from the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Oh, okay. With it's the big siege on like the castle, and yeah, it's a it's, huge epic okay. action sequence. Okay, I was, I was making out through that movie. I didn't watch that movie I, really. I I, I, I uh, know, but the people who did watch that movie, yeah. the people who liked that movie, would recognize Helm's Deep as one of the more exciting action sequences of the turn of the century. Okay, yeah, so, well, maybe I'll watch it someday. I uh, Just don't make uh, out this time. Well, well, Making it so much more fun. Don't. Uh, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Don't ruin the movie with your with your philandering. I, uh, I there was a time in college when uh, the person I was dating at the time uh, we needed a place to just sort of have privacy sure. and a neck. So That's we what movie theaters are for so sometimes. Yeah, so we yeah, so we went to we yeah. went to the English Patient. And we weren't oh, paying much God. attention to the movie. You were that Seinfeld episode, more or less, yeah. and. Uh, a later when I was dating somebody else, they said, did you see the, the English patient? I said, well, not really. <laughs> I was in the theater. Uh, and, and they said, okay, we're going to rent it. And we're going to watch uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. And she forbade me from any physical contacts. <laughs> like we cannot make out during this. Must movie. see you're going to watch this film because I love it. And you're going to love it yeah. too. That was uh, the, the movie I remember distinctly doing that for was a civil action. <laughs> You necked through a civil action. A civil action, yes, oh, I did. Funny. It's, it's really not the right movie for it if you think about it. It's very, I, I, it's, it's a very stern and terse film. You know, if 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 the necking is going well, the yeah. ma- the movie doesn't matter. I will say this: it's actually a good movie. <laughs> It's I did see the movie. It's good. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, better late than never. I'm frustrated uh, that I spent my first 50 years without going to an Indian cinema in my life. Hmm. Also, chorizo. My God, that stuff is fantastic. No, I need yeah. more. Uh, can you please either A, recommend several Indian films mm. I and my fellow listeners should seek out, or B, point us to someone whose recommendations you trust, or perhaps even C, a very special episode of The Iron List with a guest expert explaining their choices. Mm. I look forward to your recommendations. Thank you for all you do to incorporate and encourage empathy and understanding in your podcasts. I've become a better person for listening to you. Oh, oh thank you. Uh, uh, patron thank you. Rick. Uh, also, a new rule. Uh, yes, I know Bill Maher is a POS. <laughs> uh, that, that's his shtick. Oh, yeah. New, new rule. Henceforth, all action movies must contain at least two dance or musical numbers and end credits don't count. You know, uh, I gotta say, is that the end of the email? And that's the end of the email. You know, I gotta say something. Uh, we'll get to the, the main crux of it. Um, the idea that action movies shouldn't have musical numbers is completely arbitrary to me. 
Mm-hmm. If you think about it, there's so many things that we feel must be in movies that are pretty arbitrary if you think about it. Like, uh, love stories, a, yeah. like, like a love story. Like every movie has got to be like simultaneously while you were saving the world, curing a, a, a space disease or whatever, simultaneously you were falling in love. That's just not how it works all the time. And sometimes it feels really shoehorned in there. Why not shoehorn in other things? More fun things. Why not have a musical number in every single... Why not? I don't care. I love musical numbers. It's great. I am not... And and I... I'm not happy about this. But I think it's important to be honest about what you don't know. And that way you can learn from others. So, to your point... I know, unfortunately, rather little about Indian film. Okay. Just in general. There's a ton of it. And frankly, I've never... And, and you actually bring this up in your in your email. You know, the possibility of bringing in someone who's an expert uh-huh. to talk about it. That's a good idea, and we should look around for that. Uh, but I've never really had someone to guide me through it because there's so much of it. Yeah. yeah. I've never had an expert who I knew personally, which is... Uh, how I got like walked through the history of kung fu movies from Hong Kong, which is a big subject as well, and it mm. really helps to have a, a, a sort of a guide yeah, to I, sort of keep you focused and tell you what's what's important and what you should see in what order. That can be really really useful when there's like a big deep dive you got to yeah, take. So um, I'm not the person to ask, and I will freely admit that. Although I am ashamed of it because there's really amazing stuff yeah, out there. I, I remember uh, the AV Club used to do uh, yeah. a, f- a regular feature where they would. Uh, T- take a piece of media that mm. had a like a, a huge amount of output yeah. and a, an enormous following, but might be a little bit oblique to the public at large. Okay, and you what they like d- examples like well the the first thing they started with was the Grateful Dead. Okay, because they have a huge discography. Yeah. But they don't have like number one hits you hear on the radio a lot. So no, they have very a lo- few hits actually. So for a lot of people, The Grateful Dead is like this huge mountain way off in the distance. Yeah. And when you're going to start listening to The Grateful Dead, where the heck do you start? Yeah. So that was there was this whole series of articles devoted to that. How do yeah. you start? Another one was uh, just the all of anime in mm-hmm. general. Yeah. Like how do you start? Because that's pretty intimidating. It's this mm-hmm. enormous cult following. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's like this gigantic mm-hmm. mountain of stuff yeah. to work your way through. But if you want to start with anime, mm-hmm. just the entire medium, yeah. how, how do you get into that? The, yeah, this this really is one of the problems stuff. that like uh, superhero comics ran into for a long time, which is there's like decades of continuity now. Yeah. There's this tendency we want to have. I want to start from the beginning. You're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. That's just not a practical solution to what you're, you're not going to catch up to where we are now for a really, really, really long time. Yeah, and so, you might uh, not even see the relevance of it until now because, you know, those are yeah. older stories. Uh, so, like, yeah, having a guide and having someone tell you, there's so much Star Trek. Where do I begin yeah. with Star Trek? There's uh, so much Doctor Who. Where do I start? It does make sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, first stop, your local library. Uh, <laughs> True. Get get some books on Bollywood true. because they'll yeah. they're gonna know yeah, a lot true. more about the history and sort of the more uh, key films in mm-hmm. in the country's cinematic history than I ever would. Yeah, uh, I've seen some Indian cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, I even got to see some in the theater. We used to yeah. have a, a local a second run house that had all of the. the oh yeah, in Culver City, there was like a they had they used to have like a couple of theaters always reserved. Yeah, it was for yeah. the for the Bollywood films. Yeah, uh, and it, it was always Bollywood. It was never Telugu cinema. Which uh, there are different film industries. Yeah, and India is an enormous country. Uh, so it's it's like uh, call, calling every Indian movie Bollywood is like assuming every British TV show aired on the BBC. Yeah, which, that's just what well, Americans yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Well, a mistake I've made myself. Indeed. Um, uh, Same here. The uh, so RRR is a uh, Telugu cinema. It's Hollywood. It's not a Bollywood film. Uh, I watched a version in Hindi because that was the only one available on Netflix. See, that's the so reason the, why I have wrong language. That's the reason uh, I haven't well, watched it. Well, not the it. wrong it's language. Of, it's just dubbed in a different language. I, I want to see uh, it the way it was originally intended, which is why I haven't jumped on seeing it on Netflix. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not available on other services. Yeah, that, like, that was the only way I could see it. So I, yeah. I saw it dubbed. I didn't mind. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it was still really great, though. Yeah, you yeah. L- look up that filmmaker. He's done a lot of uh, notable Telugu films. Uh, mm. In terms of like other Indian cinema, most of what I've seen is Bollywood. Okay, uh, and so I can speak a little bit more cogently about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love about Bollywood cinema 
specifically. Is, specifically. Yeah. Is that it understands... Uh, the, the the kind of aesthetic rose up in the notion that uh, the people who are going to see this are probably uh, impoverished. That was sort of the idea mm-hmm. that, that, that the filmmakers took. And mm-hmm. if you're going to save up money to go see a movie ticket, you're going to get every bit of value out of that ticket. Yeah. So the movie isn't just going to be a 90-minute trifle with sort of a nice, pleasant ending. They're going to put every possible thing they can into one cinema experience. So it's going to be an action film, but also a love story, but also a musical, but also a family drama. And it's going to be over three hours long. You're going to get a day out of it. You're going to get your money's worth. Yeah. And I, and I think every movie has got to be Avengers Endgame, more or less. Yeah. And I, there's a a kind of integrity to that. And I feel like, there's a, we're sort of approaching that in a lot of American cinema. The films mm-hmm. are getting longer. They're getting, you know, look, yeah, Avengers Endgame has like a hundred characters. Yeah. And it's three it's got hours time long. Travel and and time heists travel and heists and like yeah, sad, quiet scenes mm. and big, funny scenes. So they, and, they're really trying yeah. to like cram it all in there with a film like Avengers Endgame. And, yeah. and yeah, there's, I, I feel like a film like that is a little bit stern. Not that Bollywood cinema isn't stern. It's actually incredibly frank. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, just all of its emotions are right on its sleeve. Yeah, Endgame isn't, mm. I wouldn't call it, even though there's a lot of humor in it, I wouldn't call it lighthearted because it's actually about, like, life and death and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, like, it's it's not a broad, sweeping, you know, fun entertainment. It's trying to, like, be the culmination of a super dramatic story yeah. while it's doing all those other things. But again, you're getting that, too. So, mm. kudos for that. Um, I'm going to uh, send out a call all right. uh, to anyone listening. Who would consider themselves very well versed in Indian cinema. Nobody's seen everything. I'm not asking for that. But if you feel like you're the kind of person who, if someone needed to know, hey, where do I start? And you can offer some recommendations and you would feel very comfortable that those would be the right choices. Not just, I've seen five movies. See those five. Mm. We would love to hear from you. And we would love to read your emails and read your recommendations on the show. So feel free to email us. Once again, our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Or uh, you can always send it to our P.O. Box, which once again is... Uh, P.O. Box 641565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. You might want to re-listen to that again. <laughs> I said it so fast. But regardless, yes. Uh, we would love to hear from you. And again, we I firmly believe that if you don't know something, you should just admit to it. Mm. it there's There's no shame in it. Although it is disappointing. (laughs) So uh, I need to do more work in this regard. There's other realms of international cinema, which I I just don't know enough about. This, sadly, is one of them. Mm. Uh, So we would love to hear from you if you have great recommendations for where to begin delving into Indian cinema from all over. You've seen... Some I've seen a few, but I, I don't. I, I I don't feel comfortable yeah, saying. I, 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 like I've, I said, I've seen a few, but yeah, I'm not going to tell you just to see the the ones I've seen, yeah, I, just like, because I don't know if those are really the best ones to start yeah, with. If the, there's ones I happen to have seen, yeah, the, the one that re- like sort of got my attention was in in the mid 2000s. Uh, a it? Bollywood film was nominated for best. Uh, was it Lagan? Best international film was Lagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's it's three hour epic about a cricket match, uh, yeah. and, and it's quite good. Uh, yeah. I can recommend that one, but yeah, I, I'm not, Yeah, that's not like sort of a bedrock of Indian cinema. No, if you want, so. if you want to know about where to start with like Hong Kong Kung Fu cinema, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. If you want to know, uh, uh, you know, other things, if you want to know where to start with Star Trek, we can help you with that. This is not our field of expertise. We're very grateful that you would ask us. It's very, it's very humbling that you would. Mm-hmm. We're sending out a call and hopefully in the next episode or two, we will have some responses, hopefully, that will lead you in the right direction. And if not, we will, and either way, we will look into it and we'll see if we can bring in an expert sometime. Okay. okay. Um, next letter. Next letter. Uh, this is a letter from Emily. Hello, Emily. Hi, Emily. Um, hello there. Hello there. Hi. Uh, my boyfriend and I want to do a 31 Days of Halloween event next ah. month. So this is also from uh, September. Okay, so a little later. Uh, where we watch one Halloween or fall or spooky movie a night. We're each picking 15. I need help with my list. Oh, dear. Uh, we're, we're watching are... the original Halloween on Halloween night. That makes sense. Yeah, we're a few days behind. Yeah, we're, we're a little late on this, and we apologize if we've, if we've missed the boat. Yeah. Um, would you perhaps be able to suggest your top three movies that I can include on my list? Uh, I don't like a lot of gore or body horror stuff, but okay. maybe some haunted house flicks or movies mm. with an eerie autumnal vibe. Uh, thanks so much, Emily. P.S. My cat Ringo, 
appreciates her Halloween movie contributions as well. Uh, uh, PPS, do you guys like candy corn? I know people are pretty divided on that candy choice. I love it, but my boyfriend hates it, and it can't even be in the room with me when I eat it. Okay, and uh, here's a, a here's a picture of Ringo, a little little black. Oh, cat. Ringo is a handsome young lad. <laughs> oh, Ringo, thank you so much for joining us, buddy. Uh, I love candy corn. I've got a bag of candy corn right here. I will not eat it on mic because I know some people don't like that. Uh, but I do have a bag of candy corn right here. I love candy corn, and I don't understand people who don't like candy corn. I understand that everybody's into different things, but some people have a weird repulsion hmm. for candy corn that I'm like, it's it's candy. Yeah. All candy is kind of weird. Like, the majority of it, like, have you ever had, like, a razzle? Like, it's <laughs> fucking weird. Like, just 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 let it go and enjoy yeah. that it's a weird, fun candy. I love, I, candy corn's great. I'm yeah. a big fan. I, I'm, uh... I'm 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 44 years old. Uh-huh. Just give me candy. Yeah. I'm not picky anymore. Yeah. I'm not gonna. No, I I want I want well, I want this over that. It's not just hand me. There's some stuff I don't like. There's got to be stuff you don't like. Okay. Uh, what don't you? There's got to be. What's a candy you just would flat out reject if someone offered it to you? Almond Roca can go fuck itself. Um, <laughs> Specific, but okay. Yeah, I, I do not like yeah. almond Roca. The I, things that come yeah. in the pink cans. It's like these little toffee yeah. logs covered with nuts, and th- those yeah. aren't the best. But uh, I uh, uh, I would reject out of hand mm. any black licorice. Hey, fine, hand it to me. I'll take it. I a, hate that stuff. There was what's it. that? What's that booze that tastes like black licorice? Yeah. <laughs> Jägermeister. Jägermeister. When I was in so it's college, like it's an anise liqueur. Yeah. When I was in college, Jägermeister was the beverage of choice. Past Blue Ribbon was the beer of choice, and Jägermeister was the was yeah, the liquor because, of choice. Because when you're in college, you have shitty taste in booze. Exactly. It was everywhere. And I hated it, it's but it was the only thing available, so I had to drink it. And now, even though I didn't like it before, I really hate black licorice now. Well, <laughs> I, I think Jägermeister has like a big um let me look it up. Um mm. Like a like, high ABV, like a really high I, alcohol content. I suspect it does. That's one of so, the, another um, reason why it's popular in college. Yeah, because yeah. You, you drink you drunk a little faster. and you get real drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's just gross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan. Oh, you uh, know what? It's only 35% oh, ABV. That's, that's not bad for uh, hard liquor. Yeah. No, like uh, like your yeah. average vodka or gin will be about 40 or yeah. like whiskey. Those, that's about okay, 40%. Okay, so that, maybe that's not the case. Yeah. But in any case, it's, it's, it's gross. Um... As for autumnal movies. Autumnal movies to watch yeah, for on, fun. Unlike no. the, the Halloween season. Yeah. Uh, I, there's a, a, a kind of a resurgence of a certain kind of mm-hmm. movement that's actually been sort of a subgenre within horror going back decades. Mm-hmm. But uh, folk horror is very hip right now. Yeah. And uh, if you have access to Shudder, the streaming service, or your local library, mm-hmm. uh there's a lot of recommendations of movies that take place out in the woods. Yeah. And those tend to be kind like nature is kind of forbidding in those kinds of movies. It's rarely lush and, and verdant. Uh, so mm. any, anything that it sort of falls underneath that umbrella is usually mm. a pretty good Halloween pick. Uh, there's a lot of like folk, uh, monsters in these folk horror uh, stories. There's a lot of witches and a lot of like old world spells. And that, that kind of brings a, a, a an autumnal vibe for me. Yeah. Uh, going all the way back to uh, the early days of cinema. Uh, one of my recommend, I'm going to recommend to Hoxon, uh, okay. the story of witchcraft, uh, witchcraft through the ages, which is a documentary with some uh, like reenactments that was made in 1926, I think um, around okay. there mid twenties. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's about a century old at this point, and uh, it's got some really good, scary stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wonderful images and that. Haxon mm. is a great film, even if you're not watching it, just put it in the background of a Halloween party. Yeah, people like, glance of, over and say, yeah. what is that? That's yeah. cool. Just put it on mute, put on some cool cool mm. tunes, and they're like, ooh, people will start watching it. It's really mm. great. Um, I've okay, I've got a couple of recommendations for it. And again, I'm sorry that this is that this is late. If it's too late to change it, fine, mm. keep it for next year. Um, first off, you mentioned Haunted House stuff. Um, I'm going to recommend, there's a bunch of haunted house movies everyone knows about. The Haunting, the original The Haunting is yeah, great. You've probably seen that one. You've probably yeah. seen about or heard of that one. The Innocence is another classic. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that I think is as good as any of the great haunted house movies, but it's not talked about as often, uh-huh. which is a shame. I'm talking about The Legend of Hell House. <laughs> okay. The Legend of Hell House is it's got a it's got that great setup where we're gonna get a bunch of paranormal investigators and a psychic and we're all gonna go to a spooky house and we're gonna prove that it's haunted, damn it. And it is the scariest version of that without being super violent. Okay. It's not like everyone getting their intestines pulled out or anything like that. It's just 
gorgeously photographed. The house looks evil as hell. <laughs> um, it, it all ends in like a Roddy McDowell like shouting down a, sadis- a sadistic ghost. Um, it's pretty. It's got wonderful colors to it. The performances are really scary. Um, I don't. I, I just want you to see it. It's a really, really good. It's like the perfect like er example of a haunted house movie, mm. and it doesn't get talked about enough. It's great um, for Halloweeny type stuff specifically. I'm going to have two examples here. Uh, one, if you're not into horror, don't forget horror comedy is okay too. <laughs> and I'm going to give you one of the greats, Arsenic and Old Lace. Not really Halloween-y. It is. It literally yeah. takes place on Halloween. I know, but it doesn't have the vibe. It you takes know? place in a well, cemetery. <laughs> like, Cary Grant is, uh, is he's getting married, and he it, goes to tell it, his two it, spinster aunts. It, it's it's a comedy rarer. It's a comedy, it but, but yeah. it's a horror. It's it's about murder, for okay. God's sake. He goes to see his two spinster aunts to tell them that he's getting married or just got married. I forget which. And they live in a cemetery. And he finds out that day... That they're also serial killers. And they've been hiding bodies everywhere this entire time. And he had no idea. And it's really hilarious to just watch him just respond to his these nice old ladies talking very cavalierly about, oh yes, and then we killed the hell out of him. And it's like, <laughs> it's unbelievably hilarious and very strange. And it gets even like weirder and darker later on as like a Boris Karloff lookalike comes in. And it's just really funny. Mm. Um and then one more recommendation. This is one of my favorite Halloween Halloween movies that came out in the last decade or so. Tales of Halloween. It's an anthology film. It's that re- one's really good. It's yeah. a really good Tales and it's got a lot of people in it. Like, it's not like three stories. There's like 20. Uh, but it's got some cool directors in it. Um, Axel Carolyn, Lucky McKee, uh, Neil Marshall. Uh, and yeah, it's all about a whole bunch of horrifying Halloween stories that take place on the same... Halloween night and it's a little like trick-or-treat in that regard although trick-or-treat has its cult following and I don't think Tales of Halloween does um there's a couple of them that are kind of duds but because they're so short they're over in four minutes and then we've moved on to another good one of them there's a lot of of shorts in that one and I would say the majority are really good some Mm. of them are very funny some of them are legitimately scary there's at least one that's that's actually gory I think it's right at the start but then it kind of calms down a little bit um but it's, it's the whole package. And again, if there's a couple you don't like, they're over quick. And then the one that you do like usually starts up right afterwards. Yeah. The the overall ratio of good to bad is excellent for a horror anthology with this many segments. And they're mm. all very Halloween-y. They're all about trick-or-treaters and yeah, other yeah. fun. There's the, the, the concluding one is about man-eating jack-o'-lanterns, which is a great idea. And I want to see that as a whole movie. Uh, so those would be my three, I all guess. Right, um, you got, I think you need see. two more. Yeah, I got, got to get to recommend two more. Ah. Um, you can do it. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a popular one. Many people have probably seen Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. Uh, that was one that got... Uh, first of all, they released it like in early November. It's like... A little you, late for you, that. You missed it. And, you know, <laughs> give that an extra month, it would probably yeah. would have done better. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it wasn't really critically welcomed at the time. Uh, it was mm. kind of forgotten. It wasn't a big hit. and It won an Oscar, didn't it? Uh, I think for, like, for, photog- for photography yeah. or production design or one something. One or the other. Yeah, yeah, um, great looking movie. Holy God. One of Tim Burton's best looking movies. And that's saying a lot because all those movies look great uh except alice in wonderland alice in wonderland looks like dirt (laughs) that one and and Shirley (laughs) in the chocolate factory are not good looking movies no no okay so Uh, but most of them look most of them look really great uh sleepy hollow especially and sleepy hollow is it's uh tim burton's attempt to make a hammer horror movie yeah he and even has christopher lee in it and has that kind of like old gothic vibe and a story that doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you think (laughs) about it like kind of purposefully i think oh yeah Uh, when the plot is revealed in sleepy hollow realize this is three times more complicated than it needed yeah, to be. The Van Garretts and the Van Tassels and this person was betraying this one family and it goes back to this other... Well, we, what are you talking about? We need almost where, none of that. Where, where's the Headless Horseman? I just want to see them <laughs> right around matter, with Jesus. no head. Yeah. Uh, Lot, but, but that's just neither a, here nor there. A lot of really great imagery, a lot of wonderful atmosphere, mm-hmm. a lot of... Uh, Cool action. Uh, cool even. action. It's yeah. it's rated R, so there is some blood in it, but it's not like gory. It's just you no, know, violent. No. In, in, in sort of like a more straightforwardly brutal sort of way. In a more right? Hollywood kind of way, yeah. actually. Like in, like in the way that like Thor will cut off Thanos' head 
kind of thing. There'll be right. some blood, but I, I don't think it's going to be the sort of thing. It might make you shriek, but I don't think it's going to make you lose any sleep. Well, there's a wonderful scene where um, the Headless Horseman is breaking into a cabin. Oh, God, and that this, And this couple, up. like, hides their child underneath the floorboards. Oh, yeah. That part's and, actually really scary. And, and, like, the child can, like, see up through the cracks in the floorboards, like, the violence yeah. that's going on up ahead. And uh, he, we hear a thunk, and then we see, like, his mother's eyes pure like the, clearly yeah. her head fell off and is now looking yeah. down through the the scary stuff like that. that. That's really dark. I'll grant you. Yeah, that. But it, it still, opens it's still with a, a, a yeah. pumpkin headed uh, scarecrow getting blood splatter across his face. A lot yeah. of really excellent imagery in that movie. Yeah. So that's a good. Thing. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, like I said, not terribly obscure, but I think uh, mm. Sleepy it, Hollow it, is worth a look. It holds up really well. We yeah, watched it again. Yeah. I think last year. It's really really mm. good. Yeah. As for haunted house stuff. Yeah, give me haunted um, house movie. You got to know a couple. Uh, yeah, trying to think of like one that wouldn't be like highly recommended and like really yeah, well known. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, you can do it. Let's see. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with uh, one that it's in this sort of like nether realm of is it underrated? Is it overrated? Uh, but uh, mm. it was based on a Stephen King story. And it's called 1408. Oh yeah, that's a good um, one. With uh, John Cusack plays a paranormal investigator who's mm. s- sort of lost interest. He's been searching yeah. for ghosts because he actually, for a long time, believed in ghosts. But every time he goes to look for one, he doesn't find it. Yeah. Uh, and now he's been he, staying in haunted, allegedly haunted yeah. bed and breakfast. This yeah. Whole so he's saying it like he's these hotels, just looking at stuff, and yeah, just sort yeah. of has grown bored. And a lot of people are still excited about the books he's writing, but he's like, mm-hmm. I've never seen one. I've, I've, I'm he's, done. He's done. With it, I'm yeah. gonna retire. But there's one last job. And so, yeah, this is the most haunted hotel room in all of the world. And you have to stay. It's like, fine, I'll stay in room 1408 and see what it is. Yeah. And a lot of shit goes down. It's a haunted house story. And after the prologue, it all takes place in, like, one hotel room. Like, there's the bedroom and the bathroom, whatever. But, like, it's very content. Um, It actually started off as a writing exercise where Stephen King was like, I did The Shining. Can I do a different haunted hotel story about a writer like can i can i make that in can i do something sufficiently different to yeah. make it like worthwhile and it came up with 1408 and 1408 kicks ass that's a really it's, good movie it's, yeah it's, it's a pretty good one Very yeah, inventive. So, yeah. Uh, yeah the way they make use of the space and the mm. way they kind of play with reality within this confined space is really really creative it's very solid yeah that that movie is excellent that's a good pick all right. Um, all right, so hopefully that helps. Again, sorry that's late. Sorry about that. We, and, we uh, missed a couple episodes a week. And, and, ha- and happy no Halloween to uh, Ringo. Happy Halloween, Ringo. You're a wonderful cat. Mm. You're, you you should get lots of cuddles and maybe a treat. And uh, uh, you should say it's from Biz and Whitney. Yes. And Luca and Dante. Mm. They're sending it too. They're being very, very magnanimous <laughs> with their treats. Uh, um, I think we have time for one more. Okay, let me see if I could get a, a good one here. Um, okay. Well, they're all good, but oh, you know what I mean. Uh, something, yeah. something we have. Oh, uh, about. here is uh, here's yeah. a letter from Alexa. Hello, oh, Alexa. Hi, um, Alexa. Uh, and this is uh, to do with our most recent Iron List. Yay! So, I love it when Alexa replies to this. Yeah. Uh, so uh, back with another one of these lists. Same rules as usual. Uh, Alexa, whenever we have a, a podcast called the Iron List, and it's uh, a monthly podcast we do. Where we do, we count down top ten lists, you yeah. and I. And, uh, it's an excuse to recommend a lot of movies, and every single time our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network get to pick the topic, and one of the topics that we usually have up there as a possibility is uh, the best movies that just happen to begin with a certain letter. Yeah, we, we had run dry on ideas, so we said, how about <laughs> movies that start with A, and yeah. we, wouldn't you know, or we've gone all the way through letter F at this point. Yeah. And you know what, I like those, because it gives us an opportunity to talk about movies we probably wouldn't otherwise, Yeah. in conjunction with other films that don't really belong with them. And I think that's a fun conversation. Yeah. And every single time Lex has been uh, writing to us with a very, very cool version of that on their own. Yeah, uh, the the idea that Lexa has come up with is not just films, but any uh, entertainment media. Yeah. So movies, films, plays, books, board games, video games, anything uh, is, is fair game. Which is a great list. idea. So, um, back with another one of these lists. Same rules as usual. These can be anything from any medium that I think is worth talking about and uh, was not on your guys' list. Fair enough. Uh, number 10, Final Girl of 2015. Hmm. Uh, this is one that I'm at least, I, uh, I'm 
least sure to call actually good, but this weird reverse slasher is captivating to watch and something I think people could should see at least once. I remember uh, projecting this, but oh. I, haven't, I haven't actually watched it. Okay. Uh, number nine, Future Diary, 2011. This, this is one. another strange one. Uh, yeah, I don't know Future Diary. Huh. Uh, though a lot more important in the scheme of things is, uh, as a popularizer of cornerstone archetypes in anime. Uh, say oh, anime. okay. Uh, while also being just a really good thriller. Yeah, Future Diary is not, not something I'm familiar with. Mm. Uh, number eight, the TV series Fringe. Okay. 2008 okay. to 2013. Probably the closest true successor to the X-Files. This one felt a lot darker, and once you got into the second season, it has a gripper, gripping, overarching plotline. Uh, I liked... Fringe was a little hit and miss for me. I kind of fell off of it. When Fringe was good, Fringe was great. Okay. I will say that. I, I Maybe it stayed great later on. I just... I, I missed out, but... Yeah, it was very X Filesy, and I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, number seven, Far Cry Two. Uh, this is okay. one of the most effective examples of disempowering a player through mechanic. Oh, it's a video game. Yes, it is. All right, a uh, player through mechanic, and in doing so, creates a critique of the Rambo-style shooter before and after the series. It's a fascinating and deserves respect. Uh, That's a very good game. What, what can you tell me about the Far Cry games? Oh, well, they're, they're in one all, sentence. They're they're. Like, what's the premise of the game? Well, the premise of the game is it's an open world thing, and you go on a variety of missions. But if memory serves, in that one, you're in, in modern times. Uh, medieval yeah, times, usually modern modern times and in different uh, uh, parts of the world. I'm trying to remember exactly what the plot was. Of Far, give me one second here because I, right. I remember the setup being kind of different. Um, yeah, you're assigned to kill like a a, a terrorist. Uh, but things get complicated quickly, and then you end up, uh, um... <sighs> a different terrorist, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there's something... I forget... Oh, God, I can't remember. It's a good game. I can't... Yeah. I just honestly can't remember the plot right now. It's a really good game, though. Right. Yeah, I, that was back when I was playing video games regularly. Yeah. I like Ms. Pac-Man. <laughs> I also I'm, like Ms. Pac-Man. I'm completely outside of the medium, so I'm, I, not, I'm not one to comment on video I, games. I respect uh, that. Uh, number six, The Faculty, Oh, well, that's right. At the start of it, you get malaria. You get malaria. And then you have to, so you're fighting it off throughout like, the game. Oh, so you're like, like to pick yeah. up medicine packs yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, right. that, that sounds like a frustrating way to play a video game. <laughs> so many video games are just generic power fantasies. Having actual conflict is interesting. Yeah, I, I anyway. suppose so. Um, yeah, yeah, number six is The Faculty, uh, the Robert Rodriguez movie. Oh, that movie's great. Yeah, a film that I was shocked uh, to not even see on your runners up. This is a top ten contender for my favorite 90s film. I'm going to say... The cast is insane. Hmm. It's such a good ride and it has a... a and has the battle that I want to feel in my horror. Uh, I'm going to say this right now. The Faculty is maybe Robert Rodriguez's most underappreciated movie because a lot of people mm. saw it as like kind of a sellout movie. Like, I'll make a studio type film. It's, yeah. It wasn't one he wrote himself or it's, anything. It's more of a Kevin Williamson thing than yeah. Robert Rodriguez, but yeah. But it's really good. Okay. It's an excellent motion picture. And I'm going to make a... You know what? I'm going to wait. Remind me, there was a film that I forgot... And it should have been on my top ten. Okay. But I'll see if Lexa mentions it All before right. I get uh, to it. Number five, From Dusk Till Dawn, the TV series. Okay. 2014. All right. This is an adaptation where I feel like giving room to these characters that end up deepening a, lo a lot of their emotions. And it's like trying to evoke, an, that it is trying to evoke and talk about. It's also just a propulsive good time. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this. I saw the series. pilot and it was okay. And I, I, guess, I guess I should have watched more. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Uh, that was on El Rey, right? That yeah. was Robert Rodriguez. He had, TV, he had a TV whole station, network. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, uh, number four, Feria the Darkest Light, 2022. The newest thing on this list, this TV show from Spain okay. about cults is one of the best new TV shows of the year and with some truly striking visual moments. Yeah, I don't know Feria the Darkest Light. I don't know that one. It sounds uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, cool. Number three, Forever 15, Mothica from 2021. Okay. This is an EP. Oh, Forever 15 is a band. Mothica is an EP. Okay. Um, All right. This I'm is learning EP, so much right now. An EP about trauma and specifically moving on from it, including the title song, which is a look back in the artist's suicide attempt from 10 years earlier. Oh my God. Uh, it's, uh, it's real in all the best ways while letting you know that you aren't alone. That, that sounds uh, amazing. Number two, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood from 2009. Okay. I would argue that this is one of the best animes ever made. It has amazing characters, great action, and uh, knows just the right pacing uh, and where. And if you watch one episode, you'll likely rewatch the entire show. Mm. And number one... Oh, real fast. I, Full Metal Alchemist is pretty great. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, just a that, comment. That's, that's like a, a boy in his robot, right? Full Metal... Uh, the brothers, actually. But yeah. Oh, like, okay. there, there was a... There was an attempt... Ten-foot robot. There was an Memory serves, there was an attempt to, like, raise their mother from the dead, and it went horribly wrong. And uh, one of them trapped into, like, one of them basically like a golem now. And, okay. Uh, um, it's uh, it's very very good. I didn't see uh, that particular installment, but it's very very good. Right. 
And uh, number one, Final Fantasy XIV. Ah. Uh, I know Final Fantasy XI. A friend of mine was just obsessed mm. with that one. Final Fantasy VII um, was the one that like defined my generation, apparently. Yeah. Oh, that never, I never played it. I didn't have a PlayStation yeah. when that came out. Um, I got one of those little... Uh, Mm. mini NESs. Oh, yeah. And that has the first Final Fantasy on it, so I'll have yeah. to, like, actually start at that point. That's uh, cool. Uh, somehow, an MMO has one of the best stories in all of video games, mm. while also being one of the most feature-rich and enjoyable MMOs on the market. This is not just a great example of its genre, it's the high watermark that will take a massive amount of work to even be surpassed. Wow. Sincerely, Lexa. Yeah, a lot of people love those Final Fantasy games. I, I always had trouble getting into them. Initially, it's because they were turn-based, and I'm just not a fan of that particular style of oh, gameplay. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of Pokemon, so I know sure. that, but yeah, that, I, and that's turn-based, so I, I, I can get into I, it. I understand the premise. It makes a lot of sense. It's just not my particular favorite way of interacting with the video game. Uh, that's a great list. Thank you so much. And, of course, we'd love to hear from anyone else if there's anything else that we missed on our best films or anything else mm. that happens to be with the letter F. I missed a huge one. Okay. And I am mad at myself because I don't think it would have been my number one, but it would have made my top ten. Okay. And I'm going to give it right now. Uh, Michael Hanukkah's Funny Games. Oh, that's a great movie. The original Funny Games. He remade it. I've actually never seen the remake. Uh, I heard it's, it's basically the same thing. It's identical. Yeah. yeah. It's almost shot for shot. But the original is one of the scariest movies ever made. Uh, it is not for everyone. It's really intense. and uh, But it's it's, it's, it's... it's a home invasion slash torture movie. It's pretty yeah, intense. It's very intense. It's about people. It's a family goes off uh, to like stay at a cabin on a lake. and uh, A well-to-do rich family. That's, yeah. That's notable. Very rich. Yeah. And then uh, two very posh, bourgeois-looking young men. In, in white tennis outfits and yeah. gloves. Yeah. Look, and they're basically just like, hey, can we borrow some eggs? Like very nothing very me- meaningless encounter uh, and then they just refuse to leave and eventually it escalates and gets really really bad but the main point isn't the home invasion which is plenty scary the main point is these guys occasionally look at the audience and smile mm. because they were not sent here by their own obsessions they were not sent here by some evil agent they're here because there's a movie going on right mm. now, and you paid to see this. They're here because you sent them. Yeah. The viewer sent them. Michael Hanukkah is this, it's a, it's a terrifying horror movie that's also an indictment of the concept of horror movies. Yeah. yeah where yeah. he's basically accusing you, the audience, of hurting the characters in the movie. Because, because that's what you want to see. That's yeah. the genre you paid for. Uh that's not something every horror enthusiast likes. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm I a horror enthusiast that, yeah. and I think it's brilliant. It is, it is intense. It is confrontational. It is terrifying. Uh, it has yeah, it one t- of the... It takes a lot of a lot of moxie to implicate the audience. Yeah. And get away with it. And I think mm. he ultimately succeeds. Um, so that's a very intense movie that is not for everybody. But I think it is a brilliant film, and it definitely should have made my top ten, and I don't know how I forgot to put it on there. Yeah. So I just wanted to give it a shout-out, because that movie That's is brilliant. Yeah, should I, I should have thought of that, too. I, yeah. I didn't put it on my list. Yeah. Didn't even make Marner's up. Just completely and, plum forgot. And I do like The Faculty. Uh, Faculty's great. Not, not putting it on my list is, is no slight to The Faculty. No, that should have been a runner-up. Mm. That that movie is just... It, everything about it works. Mm. Whether or not it's the greatest horror thing of all time is irrelevant. Mm. Just you watch that movie, I'm like... There really isn't a problem here. Like everything, <laughs> everything's pretty tightly constructed. Mm-hmm. The characters are really clever, but they're all very distinct. Uh, nobody does something like intensely stupid to just keep the plot going. <laughs> like it's very well written. It's very well realized. It's kind of scary. That's a great. That's one of the like of the post scream movies. Yeah, people forget about that one because it wasn't technically oh, a slasher. It was more of a body snatchers riff. But it's great. It's a. It take. It's important to remember the kind of rhetoric that was surrounding high school students in the late '90s yeah. about uh, kids being at risk yeah. and uh, you know drug use at schools and, yeah. and violence at schools and uh, how adults had become increasingly suspicious of teenagers. It was kind of, I mean, they always are. No, they, but it was they have been of, since we invented the concept of teenagers in yeah, like the 50s. It, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of at a high ebb, and that's what yeah. uh, uh, the faculty was addressing. Yeah, to the so, extent that one of the main protagonist heroes, yeah. played by Josh Hartnett, is the school drug dealer. He is the school drug dealer. he's not a bad guy. 
Well, and, <laughs> yeah, I and appreciate that. There's a, a plot point in the movie where they can protect themselves from aliens by doing drugs. Yeah. Like it, it's actually an important part. It's pretty subversive. Of the movie. So yeah, yeah. There, there's there, there's a lot that it's deliberately trying to undercut. So it's yeah. actually it's a lot of clever stuff going on in that movie that may might not have aged well. No, I, I, don't, I think it's aged great, actually. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that is it for We've Got Mail this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you want to submit an email... Well, you can do that. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Whitney, once again, what is the P.O. Box? Because I can never remember this. (laughs) Send it to the Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. Box 641-565, Los Angeles, California, 90064. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Uh, Thank everybody who wrote in. Sorry if we didn't get to your letter in time. Well, we will have more episodes because that's what we do. Um, and of course, if you want to, uh, join our Patreon, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, you can listen to this and all of our other new podcasts ad free, and you can get a ton of other exclusive shows, shows about every episode of Star Trek, shows about, uh, the Step Up franchise, shows about the Academy Awards. We're going to do a commentary track this month for Morbius. I don't know why I suggested that we do that, but by God. 2022 feature film, Morbius. I am my own worst enemy. Um, But uh, we're going to do a Halloween trivia night later in the month uh, for our uh, $20 a month patrons. uh, But even $1 a month, you get ad-free shows and exclusive podcasts. So there's a ton of reasons to head on over there. Thank you to everyone who does support the show on Patreon. It means a lot to us, Mm. and it really keeps the show going. Uh, We're also on Twitter, at Critic Acclaim. I'm at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Don't forget, we have a soap store. Me and my partner, M. Lapis Da Silva, run patreon.com slash saltcatsoap, all one word. Uh, If you live in the U.S., we will ship you one designer soap a month that is decided by our patrons. You give us a premise, and we come up with a cool soap. It's going to smell wonderful, look amazing, and we're going to ship it out to you. And we also have a two soap a month tier where we're going to hit you up with an additional soap design. Uh, And they're all really great. And I say that because my partner designs almost all of them. They're really, really amazing at this. I occasionally do one, but they're the genius. So uh, thank you, everybody, who has signed up for that. You should have your uh, soaps for October. If not now, then it should be really, really soon because we just shipped them out. Um, And, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you, everybody, for everything. Have a really wonderful, safe week. Stick around for more podcasts. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney. Thank you.